On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group talks to friend of the palaver and all-around great guy, Dave Kersner. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends, Paul Zotter and Ken Gregory, as we welcome Dave Kersner to talk about Prog Stock 2023. All right, so um, welcome, musician, songwriter, producer, sound designer, and very good friend of the Palaver, Dave Kersner. Um, as we get ready here in our first of our series of Prog Stock 23 episodes. So, Dave, you've had some, uh, some. Pr- I mean, it's been a while since we've talked to you. Um, you've released The Traveler last year. There have been several Star Wars shows we haven't even talked about, um, but but you've really set the stage here for for 2023 when you you know I guess it was just a couple of weeks ago I believe it was on your Instagram you set out what I consider to be a a, a pretty aggressive uh, schedule for yourself um, working your way concert wise from Miami up to Rutherford, New Jersey, releasing an album apparently in time for that. And as if that wasn't enough, you you teased a second album uh, before Cruise to the Edge uh, next March. So it, it sounds to me, Dave, like there's a lot going on. There always is. <laughs> and plans always change. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the, so let's say well, I'll, I'll tackle one thing at a time. So as far as the albums go, um, I'm, I'm working on uh, three albums. It's a trilogy, technically. So uh, three concept albums. Um, you know, they could be condensed into two. I've gone back and forth between whether making the first one a double CD or not. And, you know, I struggle with this to an insane level. Like, you can't even imagine how many times I take songs and put them in different order. I mean, literally, that's what I did during the pandemic for my third solo album, The Traveler. It was probably 200 lists of songs that could go there or go elsewhere. And uh, and then once you have them, you change the lyrics. And then once you have the lyrics, then you're like, this fits together like pieces in a puzzle. But with this current concept album series... Uh, it draws upon songs that have been written over the course of the last 25 to 30 years, going back to when I played with Kevin Gilbert uh, or just after uh, in the 90s in L.A. So um, it and a lot of those songs, one of the songs that was written around that time was Not Coming Down, which was written uh, eventually released by Sound of Contact, but originally written in the late 90s, 98, around that time. Um, and then that was actually the best one that was the best song lyrically ah. they were all good musically but the lyrics I, you know w- working with kevin he set a really high bar for lyrics oh, yeah. and nice. kind of made me feel like you know what i need to work harder on lyrics and it wasn't until many years later 
apart from that one song that I could write songs that I was happy with, that I was really happy with. I was like proud of and go, okay, this is as good as the music or as good as I know lyrics can be, which in many ways Kevin taught me. It was kind of like, oh, you know, we all like Yes and all these different bands. And But when you, when you listen to the lyrics, sometimes you don't know what they're talking about. And sometimes that's actually okay. But to me, I think lyrics are an opportunity to be uh, multi-layered in poetry and meaning and story and all sorts of things that you could do in that space. And so why not put as much effort into that as you do in the rest to the rest of the music, which, you know, most of my life, it was all about the keyboards and music and, and the chords and chord changes and all those things, melodies. But uh, I love every aspect of songwriting. So anyway, long story short, um, I finally said, all right, I've got three albums of solo albums, plus in continuum and sound of contact and other albums under my belt it's time to really tackle these songs that have been around forever and a cool concept um you know kind of about what i was going through in la you know the difference between let's say wanting to get a record deal and 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 why do you want to be famous or something or do you want to just have something to say and express yourself like what's where, what's the point of why you wanted to be a musician or something and then also things about relationships you know and of course in la you get perhaps an extreme example of people women and men you know both like just sort of potentially looking around for something better because they're huh. especially they're in the entertainment business. They're looking around for like, you know, Tom Cruise to take them away to the next level and, you know, or something like that, you know? So, I mean, literally actually I had a girlfriend uh, who was a singer and uh, she's actually sort of based on some of that story. I didn't put this part of the story, but I'll just tell you, uh, yeah. one of her biggest fans was Fabio and he would come to the shows and be like, Oh, with flowers. And I'm like, this is my girlfriend. <laughs> like I'm competing against <laughs> You know, no way you can't write this stuff i mean that's that was true but anyway um so there's all this material and it really just took me rolling up the sleeves and saying all right l let me do these right let me do them justice let me poetically get the story across that was the challenge and as much of it, it's actually the most it's based on the closest thing based on my real life that i've done uh, which made it even harder, really, um, to write because there was there were personal things I wanted to try to go. Oh yeah, that happened. Okay, let me get that in there, but not not in a contrived way, but in a very like it works, you know, as lyrics, those kinds of things. So anyway, I the problem is there's there so it's a multi layered story about when I was in my twenties. And then kind of about when I was in my late 40s, so going through a midlife crisis stage, and I was actually working with Eric Nielsen. We were filming uh, part of the videos and everything, and I was going through. So I, I, I was dating a girl who was much younger than me at that time. And then we went through some of the same problems, basically broke up while we were filming. And I'm like, okay, this is now a story about a story about a story. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> midlife crisis perspective on being in your 20s and like a flashback so now there's a ton of material because there's also materials that was written later and i'm like you know this all kind of interrelates almost like it's sort of a movie um and um but then it also introduces like well there's too many songs to be on one album 
And I'm really big on like album listening experiences. You know, I just like it. It's it's like a movie, and it's like, hey, this is this is done. You know, and now now you'll watch the next one, like Dune Part One. I mean, I kind of like that they did that. Like, all right, just digest this for a while, and then you know, hopefully, don't have to wait too long. It's coming soon. Dune Two, you know, and then Dune Three, Dune Four, Dune Five, both. But anyway, digestible nuggets of story and music and and arc and all that stuff. Um, and it's an art in and of itself. It's a lost art. I'm sort of crazy for caring so much about crafting that, perhaps, when most people just, I don't even know. Like these days, but you can't even think about that. I don't. I just, I'm in my world. I love albums. I love album listening experiences and I love concept albums. Um, even if they're not that proggy, this one's not even, this is probably the least proggy of, of my albums in terms of, you know, whittly whittly keyboard solos. Uh, you don't find that uh, on the Travelers okay. plenty. Uh, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. We have, do we have a new, new prog necessity? Widdly, widdly keyboard solos? Yeah, there is. Like so I picked that box. No, I mean, it's a bit more sort of Floydy proggy in that sense. Um, yeah. As opposed to the Genesis influences. You, you hear a lot of Genesis influence on The Traveler, uh, and you hear very little really on this new album there's always some because i love them and, and you know tony banks in particular but i'm playing i wrote most of it on guitar so already by that it's doesn't have the same sort of types of chords that i would do on keys and stuff but anyway um so that's the album i mean it's a whole big subject we can talk about as much as you want but getting back to originally what you said was there's that i'm busy with that yep and and I will have those things, at least one album. But the goal is to have at least two out of the three before Crusades or before Prague Stock in October. Um, the tour, we've had to change. Um, we're experimenting with a very fun and interesting idea. I have uh, these friends of mine who are a band. They're a band called Genetics. They're a Genesis tribute band, and a, an excellent one that does really well in South America. And they're so good that Steve Hackett has them as their his backing band for his South American tour this summer. Um, and they're kind of like the musical box down there, you know, like that's how good they are. That they, they do sell out shows, sold out shows, and they, they're very authentic and and they're really nice guys. And um, they wanted to come to the U.S. and they also want to work with me. So I said, you know, we just kind of work put put a tour idea together where we say, well, what what, and also. Where we would do a double bill, so and it's like mixed original music and a tribute show, um, kind of like a little mini festival, but with variety. And so the average person who doesn't know who I am or Fernando or even Durga, although she's from Pink Floyd, but still, like you might know the association, but you probably don't know the material yet unless you're already a fan. Um, and the goal is to reach new fans anyway, so um, and expand. So hopefully that would happen. People going well, I'll, I like Genesis and. This all-star prog band seems interesting. I'll go. And then it's not just, oh, okay, I'm going to listen to these classic albums performed live again. And that's always entertaining. But to me, I like to push the envelope with like, okay, but you're also exposed to something new. This, this is what happens on Cruise to the Edge all the time. And it's beautiful. And other uh, festivals like that. But there's really nothing like that one. Uh, because everybody's on a boat. It's like, you're on a boat. You're not going anywhere. So you might, <laughs> if you got time... These guys and check out those and 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 people discover music. It's an incredible thing, but it's rare. So I was, you know, the goal was trying to create a little mini version 
of that phenomenon, which is you came to see something and you were exposed to something else. This also happens with opening acts, but less and less popular bands ha even have opening acts. So it's like, you know, like an evening with that band and that's it. You know what I mean? So it's like, all right, well, you can create your own. So that was the plan. However, um, there are a lot of, well, especially with an Argentinian band flying them over, there's a lot of things like visas. It took longer than we thought and all these little details mm -hmm. and expenses. It's very expensive. So um, we were like, okay, we can't do as many shows on the first shot as we thought this whole Miami up to the thing. So we haven't announced it yet. But we are, we are actually going to cancel the Miami show, unfortunately, oh. which is my town. I know it's just like, yeah. it's one of those things, logistics, because it, uh, we are booked my band to play Prague stock right. in, uh, in October in New Jersey, Rutherford, New Jersey. And the, um, and so is Matt Dorsey, right. who yeah, absolutely, my band so he's also playing so we're there no matter yep. where we are yeah we have to be there then so the original idea was to go up from miami all the way up there but uh we're we're not we don't have enough lead time from the time that they got their visas basically i could just say uh to actually accurately and properly book and pre-sell the tickets and do all the things properly and it'd be too risky and just too haphazard so like all right right now we're closing in on some dates around Prague stock bringing genetics with us. So I can say on your show, because it'll probably be announced by the time people hear your show. And even if it isn't, I don't mind letting the cat out of the bag. We have a very special Prog stock pre-show event with a uh, kind of an album release party version of like a, an unplugged version of my album being performed. No dimension on it. Yeah. None of the other stuff, just, the new album and then they come on and they do the 1980 duke tour this is at the same venue uh in rutherford new jersey on the thursday right before prog stock prog stock starts october uh 6th so this would be on the 5th um and they perform and then i come join them on keys so i do my whittly whittly on uh <laughs> you know duke travels or whatever else and um that is a definite and then we're working on just just uh, a few other shows in the in the surrounding area that week, and if everything goes through as planned, with with the help of uh, Tom and, and Ann and Progstock involved, and just kind of like, all right, let, let's do something because we went to all this trouble to be able to get them to be able to play in the U.S. So we want to do this thing uh, as a little taste, and then um, it's a test too. Actually, I like this because everything's all nice and good in theory but you need to see if people are really going to go a lot of people have good intentions and they think oh we'll I'll catch you next time it's like you don't understand how fragile progressive rock shows are this is not Miley cyrus this is not taylor swift this is frog and and you're, you're like the people listening right now you're needed everyone <laughs> is needed to support this music if you like it and you want to see it live um, it, it has to sell uh, at least half to um, to break even or more for any band. You know what I mean? And it's like when you don't, I was just talking to a friend of mine about, I won't say who it is, uh, the musician I'm talking about, because I don't want to make it seem bad. But let's say it's a musician who is in a legendary prog band. All right. And he's doing his solo shows and like 20 people came. And he even said on the mic, 
in, in a major city too. Uh, well, I'll say in, in LA. And he said, uh, my friend lives in LA and he said, I'm like, he's like, listen, you know, thank you for coming, but this is depressing. I have to say, I mean, wow. Really good. Show. And I, I can't believe, you know, and uh, if I told you who it was, who was, which I won't, you, you wouldn't believe you'd be like, God, really? 20 people showed up for that. I'd show up. You'd show up. I guarantee it. But it just so happens that for whatever reason, either people didn't know about it or they were blase about it or whatever. 20 people show up. So anyway, you never know if that's going to happen. At the same time, you know, I went to see, uh, you know, a certain uh, Brit Floyd tribute band, friend of my, for a lot of friends of mine in that band. Right. Uh, I've seen Musical Box many times. And the places are packed. Uh, so it's sometimes luck of the draw. Sometimes it's just, I don't know, you know, where people's head are at. You know, they, they shell out hundreds and hundreds of dollars to see some of the classic artists, you know, even more than I would really want to spend. I don't want to spend like four or $500 on tickets. I mean, you know, even a hundred or, you know, more, more is expensive to me. Right. But, uh, you know, but the, uh, people do it. So I don't know. It's tough. So it's, it'll be good to test the waters and see like, okay, look, uh, our job is to put together a killer show. Everyone else's job is to come out and support it. If they do, then we're going to, before their visas are up next year, set up a big tour of the U.S. And then if that goes well, we'll go to Europe and, and maybe South America or, or Mexico or something and just you know, other parts of the world. Uh, because it's a good package, in theory. Musically, it's, in the, it's like two shows in one, so it's really nice. Um, and, uh, you know, if not, well, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, but we'll be back to the drawing bar. But anyway, that's, that's the plan, is to kind of like do... Anything from the one show to like a handful of shows afterward in uh, second week of October. Yeah, that is absolutely nice. amazing. So just from a, you know, a, a learning sort of the mechanics, right? Because I remember uh, a few years ago when we had Tom and Ann on the show, I think it was after a TMR gig, whatever, mm -hmm. we were talking um, sort of amongst ourselves and this whole idea of, you know, visas for non-U.S. nationals became, you know, it was sort of Ill illuminated to me that this was a big deal. You had indicated uh, that once you get these visas, they're good for a year, or at least in this case they are? Or is you that know, yeah. Typically, you get them for like a, a year at a time. I don't know what kind of visa it is. I know that it costs a lot of money and lawyers and all that stuff to get it all together. And basically, <laughs> they don't make it easy. They really yeah. don't. And of course, there's not even a guarantee that you get it. They did get it, thankfully. And, uh, but you know, like you can't plan your tour unless you know you have that. I've actually had to, I mean, not me, but I've been part of projects. Like we were going to play Yestable with, with Sound of Contact and we had to pull out because we didn't get the visas. And so to me, it's just kind of like, gosh, in a perfect world, I would like to not say yes to anything and plan anything until you have the visas. But then when you have the visas, is for let's say if it's, if it's for a year you know it's like well you can't plan a year out it has to be less than a year it's really tough it's yeah. just like mm -hmm. man mm -hmm. really what you have to risk a lot dave what happens when you're on on a boat <clears throat> uh do, can do they need a visa to perform on on the boat no. you helicopter them in at the you know no international waters actually gets around some of that stuff there that's you why you, another advantage the uh, cruise the edge and other cruises have okay. uh one of the reasons why you get such a variety of international acts that you might not get in the U.S. So, right, um, yeah, that's cool. Great. 
But yeah, Prostock, it's another one of those things I got to say. Like what Tom and Ann are doing is like what you guys are doing. It's like because you love it and it's for the betterment of, of, of music lovers who are into this style and stuff. It's just like a gift. It's like a huge effort in either time, money, or both. And for the hope that people will appreciate it and support it so you know with prog stock especially it's kind of like well you know like if they were really just doing festivals for the money they would do a country music festival or something that's really popular that would bring droves of people but they love progressive rock and i respect that and they get um great people patrick moraz is coming this time michael Sadler, absolutely air rachel flowers you know uh unitopia is going to be there. They're fantastic with Chester Thompson, of course, you know, legendary. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thompson. You know, so, um, and they've got Space Junk is forever. They're a really good uh, funky band that's, uh, it's, you know, so, and Matt, of course, and myself, Randy McStein's doing a set. He's, he's, you know, fresh off the road with Porcupine Tree. So you get quality entertainment, but again, everyone has to go that can go. Mm. I mean, because it's, it's like you want, if, if it's like you're, by going, you're voting for that to exist. You know, you're like, okay, I like this. Not a matter of like, oh, I think I'll do this or I'll do that. It's like, no, no, no. If you want these sort of esoteric, cool, rare things to happen, those you definitely have to support because Sting is always going to tour. You can ah. say Sting by all means support him, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like, yeah, but you know, like this one, you need to support for it to exist. Sting is just going to exist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Your, yes. your lineup is just fantastic, Dave. I mean, obviously, we've had Matt Dorsey recently on the show, and his solo release is fantastic. You now have a member of Kansas in your band. Yeah, Joe. Joe Dennis. <laughs> yeah, you know, Joe is one of, Joe and Durga, for example, Durga McBroom, these are like luxuries <laughs> that I'm only able to have because we're, <laughs> we're friends. And because the two of them, you know, Durga's in high demand playing with Pink Floyd tribute bands who want to, um, you know, have someone from Pink Floyd family, you know, perform as a special guest. And so she's, you know, and of course, those are bigger shows, and you know, because it's Pink Floyd, um, people come out, you know, everywhere all over the world to see someone play Pink Floyd music, whereas original music. It's different, but she loves doing original music and she's all over the new album. And with Joe, <clears throat> it's kind of like this. I was even talking to a friend of mine about this, about how, you know, with my company, Sonic Reality, our motto is sample everything. It's a good philosophy in life, too, you know, as far as, you know, food, apart from mountain, <laughs> do things. Uh, but, uh, and so, I've sampled orchestras, I've sampled string sections, I have tons of that stuff, and even if I didn't sample it myself, people have those sounds. If you're a keyboard player, you have access to those sounds. But I gotta say, as, as, as having done all those things, I appreciate the real instruments that much more. And maybe try to blend the two, or I don't only go for all, because I could do actually everything myself. I could, with keyboards and programming, I could do drums, I could do everything. Um, I might sometimes I do, but it's really kind of like exciting and fun and, 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 and more interesting and results to get some collaboration from the players and, and, and see what they bring to the table. Certainly drummers, you know, I, I'm actually pretty good at finger drumming, but it's just like, yeah, but to work with guys like, 
Nick DiVirgilio, Marco Miniman, or even Simon Phillips on one track one time. And like it's, it's, and, and Derek Cintron, uh, who's playing with us now, uh, and uh, Alice Cromerty from Montrevega. You know, it's just great. They're all, they're all great. Um, and with Joe, it's, and Joe also, Ruti Celli, uh, Caitlin Wolfberg. These are string players that I've worked with. And it just adds, it just takes it to another level of, of beautiful layers and, human like i don't know emotion in it so i'm spoiled but the thing is with joe it's kind of funny um so we kind of and and also i did this with ruti as well where i I mastered one of her albums and trade for like you know we barter and stuff so with joe i I mastered uh his uh, latest live uh which i think was prosign actually uh his live blu-ray um in trade for him being uh you know my string well we, we call it between us like my string bitch but uh, yeah. <laughs> you know uh, that's just because you know, but uh you know basically he owes me one or whatever which is great because i like when string players owe me one because it's like i get to do this on keywords i can get real strings I'm like all right you know um because you know I, there's not always a budget to have an orchestra if there was i would love that uh mm. but i have to be practical but i think what's cool about people like joe musically is not are, only are they incredible soloists he can play electric violin or you know um and of course it's, it's not a surprise to me that they would get him um for kansas because you know he's just fantastic so i'm happy for him um of course he's joining tom brislin he's a great keyboard player and another yep. really good yep. friend guy um but Joe is also really good at creating a virtual ensemble with himself. So he can create bring ensemble playing what's called, he calls a chin cello, or I guess what's called a chin cello. And because he doesn't really play cello, but he, it's like a lower a stri- a violin or a viola or something like that that can get lower notes. Um, and he just builds up these orchestral, symphonic, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. pieces to go to my music. And it's so, so compatible and so beautiful. It's all over the Traveler, for instance. Uh, not as much on this album, but we're going to do some sessions. Actually, I've got a little, now that these guys are just getting busier and busier, you know, Fernando's on tour now with Marshall Crenshaw and, and, yep. and uh, um, you know, Joe's been on tour with Kansas and he's like, I've got a little window of time at the end of this month. And I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> and so, and Durga's in LA and I can have her record with Fernando when he gets back. And I'm like, all right, let's book it the day you get back or whatever. And now I'm actually in front of the computer uh, preparing the tracks for her to sing and it's very but that's part of the job it's like being uh, as a producer and a musical director or whatever you have to kind of like coordinate these things and go okay this has to get done in order for, for this to happen um, we it have looked, a- it looked like you scheduled time with Fernando and Durga in the last day before Fernando had to pick up shop and move exactly and I prepared three songs that I wanted her to sing on um and uh you know and <laughs> they nailed it too that's the other good thing about working with a family of musicians that that you uh are friends with and that you work with often is you have an idea of what what to expect i knew they'd knock it out of the park um in terms of let's say doing something i want because you know if it's a remote session they could do something and you go you know i'm not saying i like Everything they do, it would be better if I was there for sure, at least in terms of efficiency of like, no, no, don't, don't bother with that. Uh, but then again, 
Durga did this one thing in this track and she's like, what do you think of this? And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm like, I could go either way. And I played it for my girlfriend and she's like, oh yeah, yeah, definitely put that in there. Like, really? <laughs> like, all right, we're going to know yet. So I, she was bummed and I'm like, no, I don't think I need to. Oh, it's catchy. You got to use it. And I'm like, it just wasn't what I was thinking. And so, so they do that to me sometimes, which is great. And so I'm like, on the fence, and I think my girlfriend just pushed me over the fence. Like, all right, Terry, I got good news for you. We're going to use that. <laughs> I'm probably going to give her a little songwriting because I'm very sort of. If you're going to write hooks in my song, I'm not. I'm, I have to like do something. Mm-hmm. Really, like, it crosses a line. Sometimes I did that for nothing, the song Nothing. Uh, Fernando did this whole guitar solo, and I never asked him to do a guitar solo, but it was so melodic and such its, like, its own section that I'm like, all right, I'll give you like ten percent of the song, or so, you know, something just to be like respectful of the fact that you you went over the. He tends to go up to the edge, if not a little over the edge, a lot of times anyway. Of like, dude, you're writing hooks in the song, but you know, and I'm very liberal about it. Whereas I was reading this thing about uh, speaking of Sting, um, every breath you take, and how Sarah Copeland was saying, yeah, Andy came up with it, dun, 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 dun. and I'm like. As soon as you hear that, you know it's the song. That's how recognizable it is. And it's mm. kind of like, you get any songwriting credit. I'm like, oh, come on, man. I'd give the guy 10% if I wrote that right. song with him. At least, if not more, actually, for that. So you write a riff that's iconic like that, you get songwriting credit, my opinion. But anyway, um, and this is less than that kind of a riff. Right now, that <laughs> song, we're having, I could, t- giving you news that's not been announced, but it's very exciting. So, while I do love to work with musicians I've worked with before, I also like to try out occasionally here and there a special guest or a situation. If it's, especially if it's just like, all right, when we have it covered, I've got drummers, I've got bass players, I've got guitar players. So it's not that it's needed, but like a little color, a little flavor of somebody specific for a reason. Um, Elliot Randall from Steely Dan, the original Steely Dan lineup, is playing on that song that, that I was just telling you about with Durga on it. Um, That's wow. I haven't worked with him before. I've been friends with him for years. He comes out to my shows when I'm in, in England. And uh, we talked about it. And I'm not the kind of person to just do it for the name or for the just because. Um, so it had to be just... I have a couple songs and I'm like, you know... This is kind of in that territory of Steely Dan. And ironically, I had, I don't know Denny Diaz, who's the other one of the, and then Skunk. I don't know him, Baxter either, but I know Elliot. And um, I mean, I probably could reach out to him, but just for the heck of it, I told Fern, I'm like, why don't you try doing an electric sitar solo? And the reason I asked him that is because Danny Diaz did an electric sitar solo. It's very unusual kind of thing, a distorted electric sitar on Do It Again. And that it's Dan Electro, is yeah. that it? The uh, famous sound? The, it's the choral sitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And killer sound. And, you know, Steve Howes used that instrument and other people. Uh, actually, Mike Rutherford used it with Genesis on, like, Trick of the Tail and stuff, I think. But uh, but no, I've never heard anyone use it like ding, 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 like uh, on on do it again and, and oh, but that yeah. would have been cool too. Uh, but I had Fernando do it and he just did a whole long thing and I could cut a solo out out of it. It's an option. 
I first want to hear what Elliot's going to do. I could do. I, there is one track, for instance, on the album that I already had a solo from Matt Dorsey that he did a long time ago, guitar solo. He plays guitar. He played a lot of guitar on, on uh, Dimension R. Not that many people know that. He's not just a bass player. And uh, so he played guitar on a song a long time ago. And there were bits I liked about it, and then bits we both thought, well, we'll redo it or whatever. And um, and then I had that, and then I asked Fernando to play on it, just to, just to kind of almost being like Steely Dan and being like, well, I have 10 different guitar players play on it. I'll decide which one. No, I just had him play on it, and it was like, well... I like it because he's always great and always creative and does his thing, but it's totally different than kind of, I was almost kind of married to what Matt did and what Matt did was also kind of Gilmore-ish, which I like. Mm. And uh, what Fernando did was kind of, I don't even know what, just off the rails, Fernando. Uh, And, but they're authentic. And anyway, so what I ended up doing was like, well, and I, I was sort of like, Oh, I don't know. I, I wasn't sure what to do. And I was going back and forth trying to balance with, with I want to make sure they're happy and don't feel like stepping on their toes or anything. And I, so I put together like an edit of the best of both as if they were trading guitar solos back and forth. And they both loved it. And it, it just like a happy, like, all right, cool. When we do this live, you guys can go, you know, you both do it. Um, and it's just one of those moments as opposed to Into the Sun, which is Fernando's moment. Don't get in his way. Don't even be in the radius because you could be in danger of flying guitar or flying pedals or, or you know. Yeah. But that's his moment. But, like, um, you know, with, with me, there's a lot of room for different people to have spotlights at different points in a live show and on an album. So, anyway, bottom line is the way I work if you, yeah. is, you know, I try things and I listen and I have an idea ahead of time, and then it's changeable if I hear something and go, oh, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's do both solos, or let's do a keyboard solo. Let's do something else. But I don't know, especially in the case of, let's say, with Elliot, because I haven't worked with him before, I don't know what I'm going to get, you know? Um, so once I hear it, then I'll know, like, oh, no, no, just leave it, just Elliot. Or... <laughs> No, no, let's do Elliot and then let's do like our own version of like do it again type solo as a tip of the hat. And just because, man, like what? That's the only time we're ever going to hear an electric sitar, distorted electric sitar solo like that. I mean, come on. So bring that one back. Uh, at least that kind of sound. Um, and a few other things. Uh, there, there's like a whole long version of the song. It was with the Mantra Vega guys. We actually did it during the uh, Mantra Vega sessions. Stuart Fletcher and, and Alex Cromer to the rhythm section. And there's like a 15 minute version of it where we go off into like jazz, kind of like uh Pat Metheny and Lyle Mays. <laughs> and kept that part off. Cause it's like, you know, I think we also when I played that for my girlfriend, she looked at, she's like, this is 15 minutes long. What's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, and she liked but anyway, so, um, the, uh, the album version is like five minutes, and I think the other seven to ten minutes will probably end up on uh, as an instrumental jam kind of a thing on a bonus disc or something because it's really kind of nice and it was spontaneous, so it was improvised, but it just it kind of went to other places, and I was like, oh, this is actually nice. But you know, there are a few things like that that I'm like, I'm cutting this out, but not forever. Like this has to show up somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> The nice. Traveler's Edition second disc has a lot of 
outtakes and different things and i put it together in a musical way so it wasn't just like a random hodgepodge of outtakes it was actually like its own listening experience but more instrumental so i'll probably do that for this as well well you are nice. the pop link to uh prog sock 2023 i mean if you if, if you want to go outside the lines you've got mahavishnu project and uh uh, Travis Larson instrumental uh, guitar work there. So, so, so you, 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 you're the glue that holds uh, a little bit of the the, uh, the, the. We need your edited version. <laughs> yeah, we will because we we, I opened my big mouth and uh, Matt and I. So, technically speaking, we're the last two members of Sound Contact because Simon and Kelly, uh, Simon Collins and Kelly Nordstrom, technically quit, uh, but. They're obviously, yeah, we only have one album anyway, and, and we're all part of that album. And it's the 10th anniversary of that album. So um, we decided, since Matt and I are already playing, and we've got this, I have this headliner time slot that's like, well, we could just, I've never played the whole album, actually. They played the whole album now, but I've never played it. And um, I've always wanted to, so this was an opportunity to do that. Now, I've reached out to Simon and Kelly, and they are invited. I don't know if they will be able to come, so I, I, we're not announcing anything. In in theory, uh, <laughs> they'd like to, Simon like to, but you know whether it actually can happen or will happen, I don't know. Uh, it'll it, it's likely to happen at some point where you know the, the, it's it's always been kind of almost maybe unsaid or not said loudly enough that Matt and I are like, look. If either of those guys wanted to join us live on stage, we wouldn't say no. You know, if they wanted to just come out and guest, you know, it's like, yeah, of course, you know. And that goes for almost everyone I've worked with, like, you know, Heather or whoever, you know, like Dave Pillenstrom, it would be amazing. So, you know, or anybody from, you know, Mach Vegas, Sound of Contact, Art of Life. And, and that does happen. Billy comes and plays with us, Billy Sherwood. Um, right. And actually would be playing with us on this tour. If it weren't for the fact that they just announced a yes tour, I, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's literally breaking news, and I'm like, well, I thought Billy was supposed to, to be with you on all of this, so he would. But uh, you know, obviously his priorities are, are yes in Asia, but um, yeah, so so that's happening. So anyway, at some point we're going to do something together with uh, with Simon and or Kelly. Um, you know, there's we're talking and stuff. I think it's just kind of like. Well, one, one thing we were talking about is possibly all touring together, but not as Sound Contact. But he's get, they've got their own band called E Molecule, yeah. and I've got band, and Matt's got his band. We're like, what if we put together like a European tour with all three bands, and then at the end we do Sound Contact? And I think the reason why I'm personally more comfortable with that is because anytime we tried to get Sound Contact back together, it's just as its own thing. It kind of didn't end well, so. And for various reasons, it's like, uh, you know, and like Cruise the Edge and a few other things. So it's just like, all right, you know what? Less pressure. Let's just do shows together. Let's try that maybe. And people will love it. They'll all come out even if we didn't do anything. But of course we would. So if everyone's there, we might, we might do it anyway. Like Matt and I, is, are, at least we will tour together. And, uh, you know, we're going to probably do that next year anyway. Um, so you cool. see my his band and then we do sound contact at the end so then it's really kind of like well if we do that you guys want to play too your band and like we all play so that's that's kind of you know when people ask me I've, I've been a little skeptical let's say over the years just because i'm like look it's been 10 years since we released 
dimension on and even longer really since we made it and if it hasn't happened this long blah 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 but at the same time it also just comes down to the willingness and the ability for each person to do it both financially and schedule wise and logistically and whatever so which is a challenge it's not like oh it's so easy you know it's like well no okay so there are some obstacles but uh the at least there's no like animosity or there's no like you know unwillingness or you know like there's there's we we all love each other and and love what we did together and respect it and, and appreciate sound contact fans so i think it's like you know if if everybody wants to do it and is able to do it we will we'll do something we could do anything we could even do another album but it's you know i also like to be realistic about that too because it's like you know i talk about these things very openly in terms of uh i'm not revealing private details but but at least talking about the business and how it works and how fragile it is and what it takes to make records especially with people work living around the world what it takes to do a tour and all that stuff and you know i I'm able to do what I do largely because of what I said earlier, which is about 80 to 90% of the people I work with are known quantities. I know what I'm going to get. I know if I hire Fern, he will deliver the goods and he's fast too. That's why I work with him so much too. It's because he gets it and he's so fast. It's, he prioritizes me. I don't know what he does. Billy Sherwood is also super fast when he's not busy, you know, and I like that. But then also there's other people like, let's say, Randy McSteiner or, or Matt Dorsey who aren't as fast, but they're very meticulous and they're very artistic. And they, I know what that they're going to give me great stuff. Same thing with Joe. Same thing with Durga. So, and other musicians I work with, Marco, for instance. I mean, you know, we just have a flow. And that allows me to do in continuum records, solo albums, tribute albums. Um, there's a bunch of those coming. And with Sound Contact, we worked completely different than that. Everything was, and in a good way, but it's kind of a luxury these days. Everything was all about being in the same room together, all four of us, or all three, at least three of us at a time. And while I love that, because that to me is like a true band, um, and even more so, actually, like if we ever did make another album together, I think we'd do it differently. In the past, we, we did a combination of writing songs on the floor together and then also people bringing in songs either almost all finished or partially finished. And I think the next, if we do another album, it would be like, look, at this point, if you're going to write a whole song, just put it out on your own and just write part of a song and let other people write other parts of the song and just see what happens then. So if we were ever to try it out or experiment, it would be kind of like that style. It'd be okay. sort of like, well, first, let's see how we collaborate. And, and especially if it's remotely, because we haven't really done that. And if it's possible, and if not, you know, if one of us, you know, just comes into a lot of money, like if I win the lottery, um, are you playing? I hope you're playing. It's a billion oh, yeah. dollars. <laughs> so, everything. Uh, no, but uh, if, you know, if there was a way to all be in the same place uh, and do it that way, I think Arc of Life at some point wants to do that too, where we all, because that's largely written by Billy. So, but he, he's open. Like, it's just a matter of like, well, you know, could we all get together and write and stuff and do that? It's not the easiest thing in the world, but I love that. Cause that is the best that you can get as a band. The difference between a band, let's say and a solo artist is, you know, mostly that really, but if not, then some, at least some kind of mix of everybody's ideas and stuff. So we'll see. 
Um, I'm, I'm, I, even with Heather, like with Montrevega, every we did a song. We did a song um, uh, benefiting the uh, Ukraine crisis situation. I mean, as a gesture, at least. Um, didn't raise a lot of money, but you know, it was uh, indeed yeah. nice. And we, we got a, Dave Kilmister and everybody back to play together. And, um, you know, mainly also because she had an idea. She played it for me. She said, I think this could be like a Montrevega song. What do you think? And I listened to it. And it wasn't based on the concept of like, oh, let's do another record. You know, it was just like, um, what do you think of this? And I listened to it. And immediately ideas came to me, kind of like how they did on that record. And we're like, we got a song. Let's do it. And so as far as any other stuff, it's like, well, you know, if she's not too busy and she wants to send me tracks or if I think of a track, you know, sure, maybe, you know, it, but to me, it's kind of like whether this is the right way to do things or not, I don't know. But uh, it's based on the art. It's based on like the material. If you have the material, then you do an album or you do a re reunion or you do a tour or whatever. If you don't, then unless somebody's coming at you with like, listen, I'll give you quarter million dollars if you do this record, you know, then it's like. All right, well, yeah, let's let's get together and let's make a record. But if that's not happening. It's kind of like, well, all right, no. Let's is that your is that your Amit Erdogan impression? <laughs> <laughs> I like progressive rock, and I'm going to give you, you know, half a million dollars to make if you just get together. I love this band. Uh, oh, I mean, you know, like there's no other. I mean, there is, I guess, a business incentive. A, a label could come to you with a smaller deal and all that kind of stuff. But to me, it's like unless it was really like a large opportunity, a large sum of money or a large, you know, like, look, we're, we want to do this and this and this. We're going to plan a tour. We're going to put all the money behind some machine. Like, well, all right, let's get together and give it our best. But um, it's, to me, it's more authentic anyway, less chance of it being contrived. In fact, zero chance of being contrived because if you just get together for the art and it doesn't come out good, then you just don't release it. You know, there's no pressure. Nobody paid you to do it. No one's expecting it or anything. And but if it is good, then to me, then you have a reason to be like, all right, we got back together because we got this. You know, and it's like, oh, you got a good album. It's not just like you know trying yeah. to milk it or whatever it is. It's like, no, you you actually are putting out an album because you came up with material that you really really like. Dave, there is a tremendous amount uh, for me to unpack after the first 50 minutes of uh, of our discussion uh, this evening. So I want to I want to start with uh, one thing. Um, you know, you mentioned you've mentioned before when we've talked, you know, about the people that you work with, how quick they are, and how how the high quality. And I think you once teased, and I, I could be misremembering, but I, I think you had once teased, uh, you know, a full album uh, partnership between you and Fernando. And I know you've released a couple of squids out to sea. So I'm I'm curious about if we are ever going to get an album of that. And then two, what is that like? Because if I remember, that's where he gives you the music and you just kind of, you know, sure. let it go. There's a combination, really. And it may end up being two separate projects, potentially. I haven't decided yet. Squids Out to Sea as a project is based on me going to him and grabbing some of his instrumentals and going, I hear melodies and lyrics on this. Do you mind if I sing on it? And he's like, sure. So that squids out to see. Um, and then kind do you of like fun. slice it and dice it all together or like send it if, back to him and say, we, did. we okay. did a song called, uh, till the stars go out. I think that's what yeah. it's called. And 
I, I he had a song. I forget what it was called, but it was on his Abbey Road album, Zebra Zebra Crossing. I think it was the title track actually, Zebra yeah. Crossing. And um, where he was at Abbey Road after a tour that he did with me, he actually in England he was he booked Abbey Road as like uh, the whole thing, and uh, he did while well, my guitar gently weeps, which I guessed it on, and other people did. It was great, and he did his sort of tip of the hat original music version of like an Abbey Road medley type of a song, and um, I heard it and I instantly heard a song song with vocals and everything, and he's like, "Go for it." And I had a field day with that one, you know, just, and I didn't touch it. I, it, it really was cool. Perfect. As it is, I heard the whole evolution of this guy going through the friend zone uh, with a girl. And it was just like, you're going to regret it. You know, like all these, <laughs> <still, laughs> you know, you know you're going to realize you had a good one. You know. But uh, so that one really worked out well. Other times, you know, yeah, I might chop it up. I, he gave me the multi tracks. Um, and I could play around with it, but it's kind of fun to work with his mixes because they went to all that effort and I'm busy with a lot of other things. So I'm like, you know what? If it's not broken, don't fix it. Um, I'm not the type of person to change things just to change them. Um, I like, to, you know, I listen and if I like what I hear, I'll use it. Uh, and if I don't, then, you know, it's nice to be able to change it or, you know, maybe not do it if it doesn't work. But there's a, there's a bunch of material that's like that. Uh, yes, it will get done. It kind of um, gets put off. To, it's a side project for both yeah. of us because he doesn't really have to do much. So I'm behind Zumi on a bunch of things. Um, so it's kind of like, well, all right, you know. And I, I sort of launched it with this hope <laughs> that that song in particular would go viral, or people would get really into it and go, "Oh my god, it's kind of a revival of this." Blah blah blah, and people did. But it didn't like go viral. It's not like a pretty girl playing guitar on Instagram that goes berserk, you know. Because you know, it's, it was, you know, but who wants to see? And actually, there's even a pretty girl in our video. But I, I don't know. Like it's just it didn't take off. Like mm -hmm. I, I thought it was a bit more mainstream. But you know, so I was like, all right, you know, if it did, we probably would have made the whole album already. But since it seems to just be like, at least for now, until something happens, you never know. Uh, a curiosity for fans of Fernando and me. That's cool. kind of what is sort of like, oh, Dave and Fernando are doing this side project, and it's a novelty uh, because, you know, maybe we've heard those songs as instrumentals if we're fans of Fernando, and we're like, well, let me see what Dave does with it. And so, you know, it does well, but it just it's not like it's, um, you know, uh, pushing us financially. Or business-wise, to be like, okay, people are really asking for it. You know, like I created a little channel or something on social media, and it just was like, yeah, whatever. We're already on your channel. We don't need another channel. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Can, can can you uh, talk about one particular song? Because I, I may be – if I had any social media influence at all, Dave, I would have made this gone viral. Um, Reverie Lane. Uh, one of my one of my favorites of all uh, all of the stuff that I've ever heard from you and and Fernando, wow. and uh, and uh, yeah, how did that come about? And well, I'm happy to hear that because honestly, I haven't heard much response on that, and I love that song. Oh uh, yeah, it's you know I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> it was originally called Strawberry Lane because <laughs> <laughs> Strawberry Fields, Penny Lane right. thing. Yeah. And Francis Dunnery heard it. You know, he's a good friend of mine. And he's like, no, no, no. 
else. Like, don't just don't give it away to them. You know what I mean? Like, fuck the Beatles. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no. They were paying homage. She's like, fuck homage. You know, I'm sorry. I don't know if I can curse them. <laughs> yes, you yeah, can. you can. Yeah. <laughs> What's he saying? Um, but uh, yeah, so he was right. And um, he gave me another idea, which was that one little section where I pause and then come back. Like, just break it up. So he, he, he gave I get good advice sometimes from friends like that if I, if I dare to let them listen to it. That's one, yeah. of, that's one of the magical parts of that song because it, it, it's, it's, it's a beautiful melody. It's straightforward. And then, and then it does. It just pauses. Yeah. And, you know, there's like, there's like a little sound design and it becomes prog instantly. I'm like, it, it blows my mind. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's great. Francis, I mean, I, I came up with what we did in there. And, you know, just to house space, I had to like add a proggy element to it. But, but just the idea of breaking it up was just like his idea. And, and um, yeah, I thought it came together well. I mean, you know, honestly, if you like that and the other songs, then you'll like the rest of it because it's along those lines. It's a nice album. I will get it done, you know, when I can. Um, then there's other material that, so this is, so it's, I, you know, I like the idea. I love to write um, the music and the lyrics. I do, but I don't only have to do that. I, I also like working with like, okay, here's the song and I'll write the melody and lyrics to it. Um, or here's a part of a song, like let's say like Pale Blue Dot from um, Sound of Contact. That song came to me with the verses and the choruses already in it from Simon. And then like take, for instance, when he sings, uh, I, I am not a, a prisoner planet, whatever the line is. I am not a on a prison planet anyway um i was like say i twice like dude you know i i get so lonely it was you know like all right let's do a keyboardy like who like intro and then with this bridge is sort of coldplay-ish and like yeah. the little little flavors of like things that are you know kind of influenced by things but uh, in those particular cases but let's say you know become part of the uh sound of that song with these um uh elements added to it to give it some color or give it like you said like that section it, it kind of helps make the song be something i like doing that i like um doctoring songs i like um adding a layer without having to actually come up with the whole thing from the ground up um for a variety of reasons it's also faster and it's just kind of different maybe you know, stuff that fern does i probably wouldn't do you know, or even Simon does, or other people I've collaborated with. It's like, oh yeah, I wouldn't do that, but you know what? Since you're playing that, I hear this over it. So, um, but uh, I was liking it so much that I said to Fernando, I said, you know what? You want to just um, give me some new tracks that you haven't released, and just just create some music, and then let me see if it speaks to me, and I can write something over that. So he did that. He did a bunch of acoustic tracks, and I think Reverie Lane was one of those. Cool. Uh, there's other ones that are really nice too um, along those lines if you like that and then he also did we had this project where it was going to be a, pro a project I'm revealing everything in your show <laughs> All, uh, with John Day and uh, oh, wow. kind of like a retro yes kind of thing but and actually uh, the song Future Memories that he wrote for yes was tentatively the title of the album and was going to be a song we were working on and then we worked on oh, one no. song. Yeah, yeah. And then I saw that 
And then also the Traveler cover was going to be the cover of that album. And he saw that. It was hilarious. Because, you know, he's <laughs> like, oh, oh, you so see, used it. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, so you used that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's, all, it's all good. Whatever. You know, but, um, you know, he's busy with Yes. And I'm happy for him. You know, it makes sense. Like, it's like, look, if Steve Allen and gang wants to write tons of yes records which they just did two back to back by all means go for it that's like a you know that's that's your top gig right there but you know and then we already have arc of life together so it's like all right you know how many projects do we necessarily need um you know or can do realistically so uh that leaves me with kind of like this material that i did with fernando that's sort of like old yes kind of i mean he went really old yes with yeah. his Banks influences and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, okay. And like, you know, but I still came up with some cool stuff over it. I mean, I say still. I like, I, I'm not as big a fan of the Peter Banks era as he is. So, but I love Fragile and Close to the Edge and, and you know, that era with Bruford. And then I love, you know, I love um, everything to going for the one a lot as well, uh, the S album. And, but and I love 90125 and I love drum. Those are all my favorite Yes records, actually, um, from Yes album to, to uh, 90125. And um, so I would be leaning toward different. You know, if it's sort of like a Yes ish project, almost almost kind of like if we were in Yes, what would we write? You know, and we're so close to the edge. <laughs> we're so close to the. <laughs> the uh degrees away from yes that it's sort of a fun fantasy to kind of put yourself and, and it's not bad to be prepared because i mean if if jeff was ever to retire i probably would be on the short list of people if he if it was up to him he would say well, recommend you know just like chris recommended billy i, yeah, would, I mean that, I that is the precedent at this point guys right. get to pick their successors so work it dave well, maybe <laughs> Maybe, you know, I mean, if it was up to Steve, Steve doesn't know me. He's the only one in the band I'm not friends with. But friends with the rest, I'm in a band with the rest of the band. And then I, I you know, pals with Jeff. So, you know, but whether that happens or not, who knows. But it's still kind of like, well, it's within the, you know, realm of creative fun and fantasy to just sort of put yourself up in that kind of like, what, what would I do if I was sort of writing with that premise? Not that you are yes or that you're in yes, but that you are just kind of like um, it was yes related. Even if let's say I was going to write a song for Arc of Life, for example, that's sort of yes related as well. Um, and just kind of more like use the guidelines of the way the instrumentation and the certain styles of playing and certain things that you're like, okay, this is burn. Why don't you go for it and do like a Hawaiian type of solo right there? Like the full tip of the hat to Steve Howe. And his version of Steve Howe is fantastic. It's not just like Steve Howe. There's elements of Steve Howe. You can kind of hear it like in that song, Nothing, I was telling you about. Like, it's like he does certain cadences, certain riffs. And it's like, man, like showing your Steve Howe influences never a bad thing. Yeah. Like, you know, like, this is good. Like Steve Howe is amazing and did some incredible stuff and but had a style it was like kind of like a uh him steve hackett um they're like the founders of of prog but 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 of certain let's say within that what they do guitar playing that's like kind of like for instance uh both of them did this like volume pedal stuff which is really good it's like okay 
I'd say way to play guitar that they kind of not invented per se, but, you know, made you aware of. And now that you know that, that's a flavor to use in your music, you know, in the right moment. And same thing with, like I said, being eclectic with some Hawaiian thing or some kind of classical thing or whatever it is. And so when they've done it, it's kind of like, to me, it's like, well, here's an example of a way that you can play guitar. And so, but we don't always do it. And you sort of have to have the right context. So that's what this, this project is all about. It's like, well, let's give ourselves context to do, you know, keyboard, a piano solo, like South side. I haven't done yeah. it, but I'd love to have a context where that's appropriate. And it's like, Oh, this is a kind of song where it's like, you know what? Go for it. Go off on the piano and do a. It's like that. I love that's one of my favorite moments on any Yes record is, is South Side of the Sky piano solo. I told Rick Wakeman, really happy. He's like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. like, it's kind of. And, and, but not to create a second rate version or not to try to emulate something to the point where, but just sort of, I think it is really just like creating the context, the foundation for things to happen that you'd like you're like oh i love it when a song does that as a long outro or grips off into another thing or you know that kind of stuff but it's only going to happen if you create either a band or an album or at least a song that calls for it and it needs to be like it needs to fit it needs to be authentic it needs to feel right and if it doesn't then it's just, there's no point in doing it it's kind of like going through the motions and trying to do something that's not it's out of your wheelhouse but i think those things are kind of in our wheelhouse and we just don't always get the opportunity to uh explore it so so we've done it but you know whether when where that fits in i don't know because uh, there's so many things going on that they're just sort of there the material and and uh, but it's 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 I I can't complain because when you're sitting on material that you could, that you already like and you just go okay roll up the sleeves and work on this okay I'm gonna work on that I'm constantly busy and that's a good thing doing things yeah. I like so Dave um, my my well, I wanted to go back you were talking about the your upcoming album I seem to recall and I again could be misremembering but when you were doing the Traveler you were in possession of like like every keyboard that tony banks ever owned i feel like uh or at least a lot of genesis gear it's genesis type gear no it's um, genesis actual gear it, it was the actual gear right yeah yeah, yeah but so, not every, all the ones that i liked uh that i didn't already have okay so some some of them i already had and there was no real reason to have to buy tony's cp70 i mean i would have actually but someone else wanted it and i was like all right you got to pick your battles of which one i was like all right fine you know because they they reached out the, the band reached out well uh the band's manager and the people you know yeah. reached out to um a handful of people that they know or work with you know like nick davis or something and you know people who worked at the studio and people who worked at other studios and i think the musical boss was one of them and me and uh but of course for some luck they they reached out to me first. I don't know why. I think because they just know I'm really into this stuff. And so yeah. early on, before they were about to do it, they said, "What do you think of this? Do you think what do you think you would?" And I'm like, "I'll take this, 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 and this, this, this." Nice. this. So, All right, that's easy because they wanted to do it privately. They're closing down. They closed down their studio, and they didn't want to do a big auction. And it, I think that yeah. the money was charity anyway. It was just kind of like, "All right, let's just do this amongst friends." Cool. So I picked a bunch of things and. um I didn't get them all, 
but uh, I got the ones that I really, really wanted, uh, like the ARPs, the ARP 2600, the ARP Quadra, his Profit 10 that he used on Three Sides Live. Um, uh, the Emulator 1 was kind of a fun thing. And uh, Mike's Taurus pedals and um, and wow. also up and then the studio gear too, like the compressor they used on yeah. Phil's drum, their mics that they used, um, most of them uh, or a lot of them, well, half of them or so. And um, yeah, so cool. yeah, so I, and on the Traveler, a lot of that stuff on the Traveler. I'm not using as much on this album though. So that was kind of where I was going. I felt like hmm, that may have influenced some of the sound of the travel you mentioned. It's, you know, it's got a bit of a Genesis vibe to some of it. Um, and I and I have noted uh, more, and for me, unexpected from you, but I don't know why, but pictures of Telecasters and things like that. And you mentioned you're writing guitar. So I'm curious if, if the sound is leaning more towards that on the, on the, the new album. Yes. Um, the... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, the new the, so the the other album was uh, a combination of songs that I had that were originally possibly going to be on Dimension on, so it was from that era, and I was like they were kind of held for Sound Contact to do at some point, and I was like okay. I, I do these, and so I used the uh, the songs from the second uh, Sound Contact album that didn't come out to create in Continuum's material, and then built off that, but then. The material from the first album that was left over, really like uh, Ghost Written Fables and Another Lifetime, those are two of them. Um, didn't really, I went back and forth actually. It's one of the things I did in the pandemic in terms of you talk about like, these lists that I mentioned. It was like, well, maybe it could be a continu in continuum album, or maybe it's a solo. <laughs> anyway, but the story, and I just kept going back and forth. And that's why, by the way, like Marco is on my solo album. It was originally supposed to be possibly i was thinking in continuum and then i ended up shifting it in fact gabriel sang a different version of another lifetime uh that's like a whole other song wow so I, I might actually take that song and change the music under it since i have a good track from him uh i don't know i'm experimenting with with what i might do with that but uh sort of like i wrote two songs but um over the same music but uh but i i ended up going back to the original idea that I had, which is another lifetime. Um, and then I, I, I wrote some music afterwards. Uh, some of it in the static sessions with uh, Randy and Randy Stein and Fernando Perdomo. And then some of it just like a time in your mind and a few other things were just kind of written. Like, you know, I was messing around with drum tracks I had from Nick to Virgilio and I just came up with it. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of Genesis. -y. And then I'm like, let's Sound contact stuff's kind of also bit Genesis y. And then I got just bought Tony's keyboards. I'm like, all right, let's even make this Genesis y on purpose and give a little tip of the hat to the to the guys, the Genesis. And it just fits. It's appropriate. And I might do that again another time just to intentionally do it. But again, a lot of times I work off of, well, what material do I have? What does the material say it wants to be? And then you make an album that just kind of fits that material. So it's a vehicle for that to kind of work. And so with this album, the new album, it's a completely different uh, foundation for it. It's songs that I wrote mostly on guitar in the 90s, in the 90s, but didn't finish, or wrote versions of it that I wasn't happy with it lyrically. And it went through revisions over the years. Now, finally, I'm kind of at this point where when you've done it long enough and you're happy with the results, 
you feel, I don't know whether it's the confidence or you've kind of the neural pathway or whatever it is. I don't even want to, you know, I can write better lyrics now. I, I enjoy it. And I can take those songs and go, oh, yeah, that's a terrible line. Get rid of that. This is better. This is what I really want to say, blah, 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 And just kind of doctor my own song, which is hard to do because you get married to your own ideas, especially over years and years. Yeah, yeah. But I think distance from it as well and enough other albums under my belt where i can look at this and go uh all right what would i do if i was writing this now you know like and and some of it i wouldn't right now actually but i'm kind of it's a really cool trippy experience collaborating with your your younger self actually <laughs> if you think about it and cool. so it's kind of helping my it, and the album is about that it's very meta like the whole thing is is it's funny because nice. the album out of all the stuff I've done, this one technically is the least sci-fi. It's not a sci-fi concept, for example. Uh, and we need to talk about Star Wars, but we'll get we'll get to. That. Um, but uh, so it's not, you know, inspired by Star Wars. Uh, it is none of that. But it has. Um, it's still trippy. It's still because it, real life can be trippy, and you know, like for instance, you know, the uh, tra the traveler is about a time traveler. Well. This is real time travel. This is a guy, you know, in his late 40s, 50s, traveling back to when he was in his 20s, living in LA. And then all the things that kind of happened between going, you know, like that mind fuck going between the two and, and then also realizing, like, shit, I, I, I'm old. Like, you know, like I can't do those things. Or some of these things are like, I'm sick of that, you know, or whatever it is. And the patience that you have when you were younger for, you know, relationships going all over the place and or, or whatever it was, all the different, you know, almost kind of like movies where, like even 2001, where there's like an old man and there's a young man and there's a baby and a fetus. And like, but there's a, not quite <laughs> a real level, but that sort or like Benjamin Button, that movie or something like right. this kind of thing between youth and being older and the wisdom and then feeling younger and, and, the, and, the, and the, the trip about all that stuff is really covered within it. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's mostly guitar written on guitar. So it's a lot of it. And I do have tellies, a lot of variety of tellies that are really cool, uh, special to me. And then, of course, I work with other guitar players and they have their guitars. So, you know, but, and a lot of acoustic. And I know and I do know that I now need to take at least one more day off. Uh, for for Prague stock because now I have to head up there Thursday. It sounds like. Oh yeah, you're not going to want to. Okay, all right. Really Don't miss a thing. Don't miss a yeah. thing. Hey Dave, you know what? I got to throw this in here before before we go to the Star Wars. Um, we we did our Palaver album reviews of things that occurred 2020, 2021, 2022, and we put them in a list. And at the last minute, we threw in Dimensionot into that list. So Dimensionaut actually won the rankings and, and we were we were rating the album against the quest, yes from a page, Marillion, an hour before it's dark, Stephen Wilson, The Future Bites, Porcupine Tree, Closer Continuation, which is pretty kick-ass. Oh, um wow. and, and we, we ranked against uh, a fantastic King's X album that they put out uh, called Three Sides is One. And we even did a, an episode on Tears for Fears, The Tipping Point, and Sound of Contact still won over wow. 
over Tears for Fears. So, so y- you are very much uh, a favored uh, quantity here on the flavor. It's just the, the numbers prove it. Well, thank you. I mean, that's obviously a shared uh, thing to be proud of uh, with the other guys. But um, uh, it's great to hear. I mean, you know, it's um, I, I, you know a lot of those albums are great. Um, I love that Tears for Fears album um and uh the porcupine tree album especially as well uh but you know i, I think um when it comes to it's, it's it's a weird thing to be honest like when you it's a good thing i mean you got to be grateful for anything i think but uh like when th- we just in fact i was just talking with simon about this ironically um it just was one of those things it just it was the right time the right place and we were in the zone and and it all came together and we have a lot of fond memories of those sessions we were just it was it, it was a great time um and it wasn't perfect but it, whatever it is it kind of like was um i was talking about this too because you sort of try to analyze in a way like well why why is that album what it is and, and other albums aren't aren't on the same you know like uh not to say level but like degree of of praise or whatever it is and obviously one factor that you can't ignore is people do like the idea of phil collins son singing and sounding like a uh chip off the old block or whatever you know and he's a great drummer as well but i think you know it's more than that because yeah. he has soul and and, and uh, people like those but they're not praised at, uh, to the same degree as uh dimension art I think um, it's, you know, the quality of songwriting and the production, but you also have a blend of styles that stretch a bit. Like, uh, I mean, there's a large portion of it that's very keyboardy, you know, very keyboard drums like Genesis would be, you know. But then there are other moments dynamically, like let's say Mobius Slip, that's like my, I think my favorite song on the whole record, um, that and Omega Point. And those two musically were mostly written on the floor apart from part two of Mobius, which was brought in by Kelly. And that's really the only piece of music that he brought in, even though he writes a lot and he's all over E-Molecule. But his biggest contribution on that record musically, you know, in terms of songwriting was part two of, of Mobius and also part three that that's him and then i to do, but see like something like that for example it's like he's doing that okay so that's kind of almost heavy metal and then i'm doing a keyboard solo over it but i'm not doing one of those keyboard solos that ruins the rock like wee, 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 wee. it's like dude get that dude out of here man it's mm. rock guys playing some twee you know thing over it it's like no stop doing that bells plink 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 it's like get out of here dude i don't like i love keyboards but like not if that's happening you know it, it, to me it's like don't <laughs> you're not a tomato guy you know, there's, there's, oh, I, Jesus. I like tomato but yeah the, the keyboards kind of ruin it you know like <laughs> like following olimo going dude but then you know close to the edge solos on a mini mug are just we're not worth <sighs> So, you know what I mean? So it, it's just like that. And that to me, like, for instance, keyboards on close to the edge. To me, that's rock keyboards. That's killer rock, progressive rock keyboards. Like that's, you know, and you can't go wrong with piano, Hammond and uh, Mellotron and, and, and Minimoog, for example. But if you're going to venture out of that, which I did. So I'm playing a Nord with like a wah-wah. 
uh, and distorting an electric piano, actually, is what I'm doing. And I'm doing a solo. Maybe there's a synth layer in there as well. I'm like, and I'm doing all these things. And I don't know if I would have done that on my own, per se, but it was just the fact that, like, what that was, again, that was the context. So to me, it's like, oh, all right, well, I'm kind of a, I don't know, alpha like tony banks you know thinking person where it's like oh i'm not gonna just play some brass stabs i'm gonna go for it and do a solo here so i did and just the fact that like that moments like that combinations of like those things make it unique because it's kind of like well it's sort of a genesis type thing but they never got that heavy and tony wouldn't get that wobbly it was more actually some of the keyboard even the last keyboard solo which is the last two minutes of the album is a keyboard solo I'm actually more influenced by Steve Hackett in the keyboard solo, all those kind of bendy things than Tony Banks. Mm. A bit more, maybe some portamento, but more precise. So whatever. This is more, you know, like Rick Wright meets, you know, Pat Metheny meets uh, um, Steve ha Hackett in terms Sweet. of the influence. Then it's its own thing with a Tony Banks is kind of like, uh, and then there were three kind of sound. So and and that was done in one take, one take. I two takes played together two one first takes mm -hmm. and i played it. i'm like something like that guys what do you think and they're like what do you mean something like that that was it <laughs> no 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 <laughs> in the control room dude we're done I'm oh like, really? that's a great memory yeah so um, you know and, well, but, and matt matt apparently had his contribution to santa contact J just uh you sent him a solo that he was able to drop in to his his redone version of the track which one was that um oh, now that's that's an interesting so that's uh waiting for the fall that uh, yeah. version of that song was the very first thing we ever recorded together as sound of contact and um you know, the, the the band always had somebody was always out of the band at one point or another. It's just one of those bands kind of could It's Prague, just, right? It's Prague. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's, it's giving the cooks in the kitchen or I don't know what it is. It's not I can only say it's just it's not me. I'm not saying I don't have I'm not partially <laughs> for being me. But I don't I wouldn't decide to work with any of them. So but it was either by their own choice or someone else or others were kind of pushing them out of the band and i'm not like that but you know um i don't think i mean i don't really think i'm like that so um but i had to kind of roll with it because it's like well it's not my band it's not like i you know like a solo thing where i'm like right, this person's we got a problem so i'll work with this other person i haven't had to do that that much anyway but uh but in bands you know that happens people are in and out of the band um and so he was out of the band started as a four piece then he was out of the band for most of the making of dimension art and then kelly had some personal issues so he quit and then i, I went to simon I'm like maybe we could get matt back in the band and they're like yeah you're right okay so we brought matt matt in and he helped finish the record now because of that they both played guitar and bass and maybe because of that it's what it is you know because like for instance we did omega point with me myself uh kelly and simon one take improvised on the floor that's the out one on the album hmm. it out a few things but that's the track and then just like we were talking about with um fernando's um zebra crossing song that turned into the squids out sea song till the stars go out um 
Omega Point, I did the same thing. We had it. We had. I think we called it arpeggiator. Just called arpeggiator. It was like an instrumental thing. And we're like, oh yeah, yeah, that fun thing, you know. And I'm like, no, I hear a song. I hear a song. So I took it, and then I came in one day and demoed up the vocals for the whole thing, and I just ended up using that weird structure, the edited one that that Chris, the engineer, did from taking out, uh, taking out a few jam moments that were like too much, but not much. And then just kind of. Like that, whatever he gave me was like I wrote the song, the lyric, the melody and lyrics based on that structure, which is a weird structure. I never would have thought of that structure if it just didn't exist like that. But then we're like, when Matt came in, we're like, "What do you think of this?" You know, what do you? And he's and he just started playing all these really cool things over because he was inspired. So, you know, like I said, it's like that album is a great combination of what each person does that you might not expect or you wouldn't do on your own or something like that. And that's the part that I miss actually the most besides just playing on the floor, especially with Simon. Uh, it, it's hard to describe, but it's almost exactly what you might think. Cause it's like the, the elephant in the room, you know, is just like, dude, this is Phil Collins son. And especially back then he really looked like Phil. I mean, you know, he looked like Phil, he sounded like Phil, and he even had, like, his his talent. He does have his drumming sound in his blood, you can just tell, right? But it's more than that, something that you only know, actually, if you're in the situation I was in, which is to be able to play music and have him follow along. I was literally like, this must be what it was like to be Tony Banks playing with Phil Collins yeah. and having somebody get what you're doing and, and play the feel and follow you along and that that is a amazing experience wow. it's something special it, it's hard to explain but it, it's not just a novelty i don't mean it because it's like oh neat it's phil concept i've worked with different people or the son of this person that's that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about like how i mean it would it was exci as exciting as that actually when i played the landmice down on broadway with Kevin Gilbert and Nick DiVirgilio on drums. And I was keyboards right next to Nick DiVirgilio. And I mm -hmm. swear, what we did in the cage, and there's this one part, you probably know it, everybody might know it, you know, where the drum fill goes, right? Mm -hmm. I was shaking. I, I was like, I wanted to clap. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and it was really loud. And it was right next to me. I was like, I can't believe how good this feels. And I'm playing to this. I was like, going to cry. So it's that kind of thing, an emotional thing. Just like when we're in the audience and we see a great gel between the musicians and especially keyboards and drums like Genesis, where you're like, ah, you know, the whole audience goes nuts. Oh. It's just a thing. Imagine being in the room, creating the music, and it's like you're beside yourself and you want to just kind of, I mean, because like, let's say Omega Point and also Mobius Slip, Mobius Slip was like two takes. And, and Omega Point was one take. So that was it. If you stopped and went, oh, my God, this is amazing, you'd ruin it. You had to <laughs> it. Right, and right, right. Stone, while this person's doing this amazing shit, you know, <laughs> and you're like, this is so, feels so good. And, but I think, you know, so that, that to me is like the pinnacle of the whole thing and the part I missed the most. And maybe, maybe, you know, as a component of like the combination of everything that makes that album what people like about it i mean obviously they they might just like 
Pebble Dot or Not Coming Down or you know whatever uh, the popular songs that we released as singles. But but as a whole, you get to these moments where it is definitely pure love, pure like musicians in the moment inspired and captured live. Yeah. Not even to a click, just off in the drift. <laughs> Did, did you can did you confirm Nick for uh, Prague stock? Nick Di Virgilio is he? Do we know? Because we have uh, Derek Cintron on drums for the tour, and we love Nick. So um, we we're gonna. It's I don't normally do this, but for Nick I would is just bring him there so we have him on some stuff as a guest. Usually, what I do because I'm practical about it, and I may end up having to be practical about it is. Uh, the guests are people who are already there. So Michael Sadler's going to be there because he loves Prostock and he's very supportive. Um, and he's guesting with different people and we're one of them and we're honored to have yeah, him. Yeah, he already sang on In Continuum, but now you've got him... Uh... Well, he's going to sing on on a Sound Contact song because we're doing all of Dimension on it. Yeah, so great. he's one of Randy who's also going to be there already as well. Um, and we'll try to get Nick as well. But that that's sort of... Um, it depends also on his schedule. He was going to do the tour, actually. But uh, he's touring too much. To talk about like people being in demand. He's on tour right now with Mr. Big. Then he's got yeah. big, a lot of big stuff going on. Uh, you know, So it's like he wants to. We might have him for Cruise to the Edge. But at the same time, it, it, it's a push and pull thing. Because when somebody else does that gig and they're doing well and they know it already... Then that's that's in their favor. That's to be what you need to hear, hear as that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So yeah. why? I'm not the type of person who's just like. I mean, I like to work with name people, people that people others want to see and love and everything. But uh, and of course, Nick's like family to me. Like he's just we go back way back, and it's just great to work with him. He's also one of my favorite drummers. But uh, that's not to take away from any of the other drummers I work with. Um, Alice Cromerty, I'd work with. Any day, if we were over in England, probably would. Um, and Derek Cintron is right here, right. locally, and he's fantastic. So he is fantastic. Um, I'm just kind of like, I, I actually, to be honest with you, I'm grateful and happy to work with any of them. When I was a kid, I dreamed of working with great guitar players, great bass players, and drummers. And now I can take my pick, and I have options. Mm. That's you know. So it's really a matter of like who knows the material, uh, who's available. And you know, spin a wheel and whatever it lands on, that's the person. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, well, let's see. You know, might be Billy, might not be Billy. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> well, let, 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 let's keep let's keep the energy there. I think I think we we we've we've got a couple months before Prog Stock, so so maybe 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 we're gonna cover Star Wars AI because you've been very prolific uh -huh. on AI, so. So we want to save this up and get you back closer to the gig and get one more of these if, if we can. Yeah, why not? Still. Yeah, absolutely. We can wait till um till Ahsoka's out. We can capture the whole thing, uh, man. That coming out soon, right? Uh, uh, August, I think. Yeah. So I'm rolling. I'm rolling through watching Rebels right now, trying to get yeah. get all the way up. That's right. Got to be ready for Thrawn. But uh, yeah. yeah. So so. Uh, yeah, Ken, I I think you're uh, you're right. I think this is a probably a, a great stopping point for now. But but Dave, let's be perfectly clear: we are not done with you. There are many more things to discuss. <laughs> yeah, part two, 
first. I will just say this: Andor was awesome. Was oh awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Andor is yeah. next level. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, from them. I want a little more serious and more thought out stories. Yeah. Yeah. Penelope could was good, but it could have been better and more better thought out. And same thing with um, Boba Fett. Yep, Boba Fett's like, dude. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, we. I, we, uh, I think we agree a hundred percent on that. But I, you know, I would love to to kind of dig into all this because that's that's really cool stuff. When I had the chance to hang out with Matt a little bit in Montreal before the Merlion weekend, um, you know, and and he had mentioned working with you, and then then the news came out that you guys were going to, I believe it was Dave Yu who had had announced that you were going to um, play Dimensionaut at Prague Stock, and it was just like, you know, all right, we we here at the Palaver were like, we're in on prog stock. I mean, not that we weren't anyway, but you know, I, I'm, I'm going to physically travel from Texas just because I have to be there to experience that. So um, we're just super excited with, you know, all the stuff that you do and, you know, excited, you know, to, I, I've, I've actually never met you in person. So that, you know, hopefully we oh. get a chance to, uh, to, you know, connect up there and looking forward to seeing Matt and, and what you guys do together. So, um, but, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we could talk about between now and Prague stock itself, because you've always got such great ideas on, on sci-fi oh. properties. So. Oh, it's fun to talk about. Yep. We, uh, we definitely appreciate that. So, so we'll uh, we'll reach out. We'll get you back on, but we do appreciate you coming on the uh, the show here to to kick off our our sort of little prog stock segment that we're we're trying to you know to to get out talk to some people who are going to be there. We're going to talk to you, uh, Joe Dennison. We're going to talk to Tom and Ann. Um, hopefully, we'll get Matt back on um, and and you know try to to build the excitement for uh, for the the festival in October. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. Me too. Great. And, and Dave, even though I'll, I'll ask you again, when we, when we get together again, this is the time to start thinking about when you can sneak in, uh, Reverie lane into the set at, uh, at Talk Stack, okay? <laughs> I, I want to know who the female vocalist is going to be on beyond illumination. Probably Lorelei McBroom, but we're not, we're not sure yet. Ooh. Okay. All right. All right. But Good, we've done know. her before. Excellent. And, Excellent. you know, Realm of Inorganic Beings with the two McBroom sisters is going to be something. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that. This is going to be, as we say, epic. Epic. <laughs> Dave Kirsner, cool. thank you so much for your time, man. You are always such an awesome guest. And we definitely Great. look forward to uh, catching up on some sci-fi properties and other things in the future. Great. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks, Dave. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed hearing the conversation with you and look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, what used to be Twitter. Uh, we are at ProgPala on all of those or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is ProgPala. That's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcasts. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>